as I have shared in the past. Some sermons are easy to preach. Jesus loves you. Some of them can be misleading. Jesus loves you. It has a wonderful plan for your life. And you read on that the world will hate you and you'll lose your friends. But we never talk about that. And then there are hard messages because uh, people get comfortable with the life they're living and you try to move them out of it. And sometimes you just irritate people. And then sometimes it's difficult because tradition and church tradition gets in the way with what is going to be happening. And so as an example, in all the nativity story scenes and in all of the uh, movies and things that you'll see about that uh, holy Christmas night, you will see three wise men. We're never told how many. We're told that they're men, so we know that there's more than one. We know that there were three types of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But six people could have brought gold, three people could have brought frankincense, and two guys brought myrrh. We don't know, but, but tradition says three. And they're put in the, the stable, and yet the scripture says that they went into the house. So our because we just like our tradition, we just ignore it. And so there is a tradition here that we have. And so I'm going to ask you to listen to the entire message, which is quoting Jesus. So if you have a problem with the message, you're going to have a problem with Jesus because I'm just going to quote him. But in our tradition, we talk about growing in the Lord. And that what seems to be the goal is to grow in the Lord. And we have this kind of, if you will, mental, mental picture that someday we'll be like an oak tree, mighty and big and tall with green leaves reaching to the sky and that we're strong and grown in the Lord. And you can get go to Christian bookstores and you can find all kinds of ways to grow in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't grow in the Lord, but that is not the goal. Jesus is going to tell us what the goal is, and he's not going to use an oak. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, we'll start with verse 1. The context of this passage is that it's still the night of the last Passover that Jesus spent with his disciples when he instituted what we commonly call the Lord's Supper or communion. And there is some debate as to whether he's still in that upper room teaching or whether he's left and they're walking out of Jerusalem down the Kidron Valley up into the Mount of Olives and he's teaching in that way. But the situation is, is that it's getting closer and closer to the time that he will be taken from his disciples. And so what he is saying is important, which is discouraging because since it's important, you think that the tradition of the church would be what Jesus taught. 
and now what we teach. And so it says in, in chapter 15 of John, verse 1, I, that's Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, the symbolism and metaphor of Israel being a vineyard is throughout the scriptures, it's Isaiah and others. Jesus uses it in a parable when he talks about uh, the owner of the vineyard sending prophets and people and ultimately his son. And so the idea of, of the vineyard being uh, Israel, but Jesus says, it's not just Israel. I am the true vine. I'm the one that is essential. So it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. My father is the one who is going to expertly care for the vineyard and the vine. So he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So we have this picture of God, the Father, who's the vine dresser, and he's going through the vineyard, and he takes a look at the branches that are in the vine. The vine is that which is in the ground and grows up. And he takes a look. And if there are branches that does not bear fruit, he cuts them off. Now, first off, let me tell you, that would be painful. And it's painful in our lives when God starts eliminating things that cause us not to bear fruit. Now, that may be that we have worldly things that we're putting in priority and not spiritual things. It may be that we're so intent on growing in Jesus that we don't bear fruit. So he does those things to cut off in the branches. So in our lives, when God does that, I'm not saying that's fun. And that's probably why we avoid the tradition and use the tradition instead of this, because it's not pleasant for God to eliminate things that are unhelpful and unfruitful in our lives. But he says, but those that bear fruit, he prunes it, which means he cuts them. Again, it's painful. And so a lot of times when God is pruning our lives and it's painful, we think, well, why are you mad at me, God? Why is it hurting? Why is these things happening? And God is just in essence saying, I want you to be more fruitful. And the way for you to be more fruitful is for me to prune the branches. Because plants, particularly vines, are like people. They would rather grow than bear fruit. It's a lot easier to grow and to produce leaves that then get more sunlight so that we can grow some more and grow some more than to be pruned back so that we might bear fruit. But what I'm saying is whether you are not doing what God wants you to do and he eliminates some branches, or you are doing what God wants you to do and you're bearing fruit, but he then prunes you to produce more fruit, sometimes that hurt can get in our way of saying, God as the vineyard, as that 
fine dresser knows what he's doing in my life so that I might bear more fruit. One of the things that a vine dresser does, along with pruning, is that he will take the lower branches as they're growing and he will wash the leaves so that they might receive the ample supply of sunshine to produce. And then he will take those young tender branches and put them on the trellis so that they stay out of the dirt so that they might produce fruit. And notice it says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's saying, God doesn't need to do that. Just as Jesus, when he told them as he washed their feet, they are already clean. The word of God cleanses, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The fact that we're in the vineyard in doing the word of God tells us that we've been cleaned. Abide in me and I in you. Now that word abide, we don't use a lot. And the word that we do use when we use abide, the meaning is more of, well, I can't abide by that or will abide by that. It's, it's kind of the, I'm willing to accept and not object to these things. But that's not what Jesus is. He's not saying, I want you to accept or not object. What Jesus is saying is that we are to continue on in the place or to stay or to dwell or to endure. So we are to stay in Jesus. So we are to abide in him and I in you. So not only do we abide in Jesus, Jesus abides in us. There, if you will, where Jesus ends and we begin isn't noticeable because there is no distinction. We're in him. He's in us. We're the same. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus tells us the only way you can produce fruit is if you abide, if you remain, if you stay, if you dwell in his presence, and he in turn dwells and abides stays with us. You know what this used to be? It used to be a branch. You know what it now is? A stick, right. And in, a, in a, a, a child's imagination, it's a sword, it's a gun, it's all kinds of different things. But it's a stick. It's no longer a branch because it's no longer attached to the tree that it was in it. And so therefore, there is absolutely no hope of this branch producing anything because it's no longer attached to the tree. And Jesus is saying, there is no way for you to produce fruit unless you're in me and I'm in you. We're abiding together. He doesn't want us to be sticks. No matter how big the stick might be, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Notice he didn't say, and you are the oak tree. He says, 
I'm the vine, you're the branch. We are connected. And apart from me, you can do, well, I am in him, he bears much fruit. But when we abide in Jesus, we bear fruit. When we're not, there's no hope for us to do so. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Just as this stick cannot produce fruit. He's saying when we're not abiding in him, we cannot produce fruit. And again, the goal is not for us to produce more branches. The goal isn't for us to be bigger branches. The goal is not for us to have more leaves. The goal for us is to produce fruit. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. When it comes to branches of a vine, no one makes anything out of them. The only thing that they're good for is to produce fuel. And Jesus if, if you're not producing fruit, which is your purpose, then we'll just eliminate you. So that at least you'll have some purpose. Now, isn't it interesting? There are all kinds of books and all kinds of questions that people have about, what is my purpose? And everyone ever says, well, your purpose is to abide in Jesus to produce fruit. Because that doesn't sound thrilling much more awesome to be a big oak tree. He says to be a branch that produces fruit. Now, unfortunately, the only people who have kind of an idea about grapes and vineyards, the people who like to drink a lot of wine and then go to wine countries and look at the vineyards. And you, there are times when you go and look, they just look like gnarly pieces of wood. You're going, why would anybody plant that? But when they're properly pruned and they're properly taken care of, grapes become in clusters. It's not just a grape here or a grape there. There are a multitude of grapes that are clustered from a single point of contact on the branch. That's what I want for you. I want you not to produce a grape, two grapes. I want you to produce a cluster of grapes. And so, yeah, there are times that I'm going to prune you and it's going to hurt, but it's for the purpose of you developing more fruit. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice again, the conditions. Everybody wants to say, well, I can ask God anything that I want, and he'll do it for me. But here's the condition, that you abide in him, and he abides in you. Most of the time when we want God to do something, we have no inclination of what abiding in him. We just want what we want. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciple. Again, 
tradition keeps telling us we're supposed to grow in the Lord and grow in the Lord and grow in the Lord. And Jesus has told us now a second thing that lets people know that we're his disciples. We're to love each other as he has loved us. And that will prove that we're his disciple. And if we bear much fruit, that tells people we are his disciple. And it glorifies God. Which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Bearing much fruit, you prove to be Jesus' disciple. Now thus far, I don't think Jesus has stumbled. He said pretty plainly, Bear fruit. Father's going to see to it that you bear much fruit. And bearing much fruit glorifies God and demonstrates that you're his disciple. Why is this such a strange message? Why isn't it not? Yeah, I've heard that about 87 times in the last month. Because bearing fruit can be hard. Because it denies comfort because we have to be pruned. We have to eliminate the dead and unprofitable wood. And we're not that oak tree standing magnificently in the pasture. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my Jesus is saying, stay in my life. When it's hurting, when you're being pruned, when you're having the dead wood and the unprofitable wood eliminated from you, know that it's being done because God and Jesus love you. Not to punish you. Not to make you feel that you're less somehow. But that because of his love, he's seen to it that you become very productive and fruitful. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, Jesus has told us a couple of commandments. We're to have faith in God and have faith in him. We are to love one another as he has loved us. This is a new commandment he has given to us. And he has given us this commandment to produce fruit. If you do that, you will abide in his love. Now, the question becomes, well, I'll, I'll, I'll finish this chapter, this part of the chapter, and then we'll go on. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made Sometimes we need to stop looking at the circumstance and look at what God is doing in our life. After Jesus' resurrection, the disciples go from being fearful of being persecuted to jumping for joy at being considered worthy to suffer for. They had a whole change of attitude. And when we are confident and secure in the love of God, then we know that nothing happens to us that's outside of his will. And what happens to us 
may be the pruning necessary to produce more fruit. So rather than being distressful or sorrowful or angry that God has done or not done what we think he should do, we need to be made full of joy because God is at work in our life. For we are his work. He's working on us. We keep thinking, well, I need to grow in Christ. God is doing that through us already. The goal is to produce fruit. So the question is, what is fruit? When I was a younger man, you tend to hear more evangelists. And evangelists tend to emphasize evangelism. If you have somebody who um, thinks a lot about spiritual gifts, they'll emphasize spiritual gifts. If you have someone who, who's more pharisaical and emphasizes on the right things and the wrong things and the do and the don'ts, they, they emphasize the do's and the don'ts and whatever. And so there will be times when I'd feel very distressed because I'm not producing a lot of fruit because, yeah, there's people I witness to and sometimes they come to the Lord and most times they don't. And I feel like a failure. Well, obviously, I'm not producing a lot of fruit. Evangelism is making babies, not making fruit. God is birthing you born, you've been born again. And then we're to raise them. But here's the fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It doesn't stop this. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's an awesome cluster right there of fruit. Some of us produce a little more love than others. But the fruit of the Spirit isn't just love. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. If people were to become Christian based on our facial expressions, they'd end up in hell. Because we never look like we're having any joy in our lives with worshiping God and being a part of His family. Oh, while we're in here, we'll sing, and I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, and and whatever, and we call each other brothers and sisters. But our face never says that. Like, like, woe is me. Life is so hard. I, I just don't know if I can take another step. You know, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, something will happen. That ain't joy. Joy is, you know. I don't care what they think of me. It's not my business. 
All I care about is what God thinks of me. And hallelujah, I'm his. And bring it on. Peace. As if the world didn't need that. What if you, by producing peace, made it more easy for somebody else to produce peace? And to understand that it's not just a lack of opposition. And the one nobody ever wants to pay for, pray for, patience. See, there's miracles happening here if you're patient. God, I want to produce fruit, and I want to do it right now. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll forget the patience part. Just give me love, joy, and peace. Faithfulness. Oh, Lord, we need that because we're kind of like the, uh, the husband divorcing his wife, saying, I've been faithful to that woman several times. And that's kind of how we are to God. God is always faithful to us, and we're faithful to him several times. But that's the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Unique. Not demanding. Not being the bull in the china shop. I love that word. When, when our son was little, he was, we were at one of my aunts and uncles, and they had a, a poultry business, and they had thousands of chicks that would come in. And, so, you know, they would fit in a in a 18 months old hand, and he started to rip it. You know, and the greatest word is gentle because you can't say that harshly. Gentle. That's how we are to be gentle. Self control doesn't mean that somebody else controls us. We control ourselves. Against such things there is no law. No one can command you to love. And no one command you not to love. No one can determine for you to have joy. If they were, we could pass the law. Thou shalt have joy. And everybody would dutifully obey it like they dutifully obey the speed limit. Or to be patient with one another. Or to be kind to one another. In our world, everybody's all jazzed about random acts of kindness. Why can't we be systematic? These are the fruits that Jesus is talking about to be produced. And the only way to produce them is to abide in him and his love. And for him... To abide in us. When the children of Israel left Egypt, and before they started wandering in the wilderness, they had an opportunity to investigate the land, the promised land. Now you all know there was a majority and minority report. The majority report for ten people said we can't take it too big. There whatever, let's not go. The minority said, yeah, God gave it to us, let's, let's, let's take a look. But when they came out of the investigation, two men carrying a pole between them 
had large, enormous grapes. Showing them how bountiful the promised land was. When God says, let us have the fruit of the Spirit, he's not talking about little teeny, teeny. He's talking about big, beautiful grapes. Big, so much so that it takes two people to carry it. So, the goal we ought to have is not, I'm going to be this big, towering oak. But God is going to give such bountiful harvest of the fruit of the Spirit, it's going to take you to help me carry. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? And if we had that kind of fruit, if we had the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, I suspect our evangelism would be just a little bit easier because they would see it reflected in our lives and that they would know that we're his disciples and that we take him serious, we take his commandments serious because we are producing fruit and getting deeper in his knowledge is not the ultimate goal but to glorify God in what he is doing in us and through us by Jesus. So the song we're going to sing as a time of reflection is Build My Life. We are to build our lives on his life and on his teaching. And this is his teaching. And it must be serious. Because he has very few hours left to tell them anymore. And if it's serious enough for him to tell them, and it was serious enough for them to write it down that we might know it, then we should take it seriously. And we should stop being influenced by tradition, be influenced by the Word of God. And all God's people say.